opportunity employer. Good afternoon. Welcome to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield. Some rain, some weather concerns, and lack thereof in some areas all taking a toll on what we're seeing in the market trade today, good and the bad. And while this report of early this week really didn't set the market trade on fire, what is it going to take? to get some excitement into this trade. We get all the comments today coming from Sam Hudson. Sam is with Corn Belt Marketing. So let's start out weather-wise. I want to know what's happening in your neck of the woods. Well, we caught another couple inches of rain here this morning. Um, hasn't been too hard to come by right where we are. Uh, we've been somewhat fortunate uh, when you look at our totals over the last three weeks. You know, right through this area, we're probably looking at, uh, you know, anywhere from six to eight inches of rain over the last three weeks right through here. Uh, but some places have gotten, uh, you know, as much as 14 inches. And, uh, you know, some of those came pretty quickly. So the problem here in the short term is if we see uh, a lot more heavy rainfall here over the next two to four days, uh, a lot of these areas that didn't flood real bad initially uh, could see a second round of that uh, just because we were so dry going into those first rounds of rain. So that's what we're dealing with around here. There's been a lot of reports of ponding, uh, especially more prevalently in eastern, uh, east central Illinois, and the beans aren't taking that real well. Uh, but on the whole, the corn crop uh, looks pretty phenomenal, uh, and I think we got a lot of potential here. And at the end of the day, uh, some of these areas may get a little too much rain, but we'll take uh, you know another good drink before what looks to be a you know, pretty dry period for the next two weeks. Yeah, no kidding. Anytime you get, like, you and I were talking about this before we went on the air, anytime we can get rain in the month of July, it's it's a good thing for this crop. That's right. And, you know, especially, like I said, with what we see coming or at least what's on the docket for now uh, and, and really what the markets have been pricing in ever since Monday's crop report, uh, you know, the prospect for, uh, you know, a continued dry look in the northwest Corn Belt. And it seems like that dry line is going to move further south, you know, maybe closer to the I-70 corridor and spread some of that heat across more of the northern Corn Belt. But either way, those states stay dry. And from a uh, you know yield, national yield standpoint, that filters into the discussion as we get towards the uh, the August WASDE report. You know, the report this month was in many ways kind of a snoozer. What's it going to take to add some excitement to a WASDE report right now? A yield threat, and I think that's reinforced by some of the demand data we've been seeing when you look at exports this morning. Uh, we sold less than 30 million bushels of corn over the last six weeks combined, uh, so just not a real good look there. Uh, but there's only you know seven or eight, you know seven weeks or so left in the marketing year here, so there's not a lot of time to deviate either way. And I think this puts a lot of the responsibility or a lot of the work uh, in the yield figures or the perception of where yield could be. I think a lot of people would still take the under on where USDA has the corn yield written down. Uh, but we got to understand where there's a lot of crop woes. You know, there's going to be some other areas to offset some of that. And ultimately, the next two, three weeks uh, could really spell, um, you know, which one of those outweighs the other. You talk crop woes, and we're definitely seeing that out of North Dakota, but really not a lot of market chatter about it. No, you know, it seems like we've been talking about it since March. I think that's part of the edge that has been taken off early in the season. You know, even back in April, May, they were dry. Uh, and I think you got some of these crops now that are finally, you know, over the last, I would say, two to four weeks, we saw where the you know, spring wheat of those regions just pretty much gave up. It was just too late, even if they had caught a rain. And I think with some of these corn, uh, you know, with the corn crop in some of these areas, you're getting to that point now where they've hung on for a really long time. But if they go another two weeks, especially when you've got 100-plus degree heat coming, uh, you just wonder if, if they can hang on uh, and if there's even rains behind that because this system uh, and, and pattern has been, you know, pretty dominant over the last month plus, uh, even up into the Canadian prairies. And, and so, uh, you know, we're seeing the effects of that now. And as we get closer to harvest, those, those losses will, will still be realized. What are you hearing when it comes to basis right now for corn? 
you know, what we're seeing, at least, uh, you know, on the spot market, we, we've really taken the inversions out of the market. Uh, you're not seeing those real steep inversions that we saw back in April, May, which appeared to be the best time for selling that old crop. Um, but for, we're really focused on new crop at this point. And, you know, we're fortunate right around through here where we can, uh, you know, we have an ethanol market and an export market. And when you look at some of these bids for harvest at a five over river bid, um, you know, posted the posted bids really are pretty attractive when you look at them historically, especially considering that we're probably going to have some pretty good, uh, pretty good yields around here. And I would say the pipeline is going to need to get filled uh, between October and January. Uh, you know, the world's going to be thirsty for it, and we're going to be the cheapest destination at that point. And hopefully, we'll have a good harvest to you know provide all of that. But once you get past January, we'll start to have a look, uh, or at least a better look, at what could be possible for South American crops and their rotation, because we know they're going to grow acres again. Um, and if they, it looks like they're going to have good weather, then world buyers can kind of continue to sit back and, and wait and see what happens. Well, obviously, we've continued to hear about the number drop coming out of South America. That just adds pressure for them to, to try to make up for it this next growing season, if they can. Yeah, and, and there's going to be a big a big push to do that. Um, you know, would not be at all surprised to see acreage down there grow another 3 to 4% plus, uh, especially with prices the way they are. And, you know, let, let's face it, uh, a lot of the purchases China has made over the last, uh, call it eight to nine months, uh, has been driven by the dynamic that it made sense for them to do it. And if it makes sense for them to shift back, uh, you know, to the southern hemisphere, they'll do that just the same. But we got they got to raise it first, uh, and we got to get to our harvest too. Okay, what about basis for soybeans? What are you thinking? You know, I think uh, you know, very similarly. I think we're going to do what we did the last couple of years, and that is ship all the beans off the combine. Uh, you know, compared to corn, where you know that shipping season happens a lot sooner with the beans, it seems uh, we have a very tight balance sheet, and so there may not be a lot of. Uh, you know, you're going to get your harvest glut potentially depending on the timing of it. Um, but I think that uh, you know, just like corn, you know, the pipeline is going to need to get filled there from harvest to January, um, and once again, by then we'll have a look at what South America's crops going to look like, but. You know, look how quickly we shipped the beans this year and how how quickly that campaign was pretty well over with, and then it yielded to corn. So I still see a bigger risk that we could get backed up on corn inventories. And when you think about the timing of that, if they advertise big acres, get good weather, and then we advertise our acres in March, um, you know, w- with what looks, you know, with what could be a good spring after that, uh, that's when you probably put the most carry back into markets again. And, of course, stick around, folks. We've got a lot more coming up as we continue with the second half of the Fontenelle Final Biologist around the corner. We're talking, of course, today with Sam Hudson. Sam is with Corn Belt Marketing. We come back, we're going to talk a little bit about what we're hearing on the soft tone to these exports. You know, you hear him talking about the need to refill the pipeline. At what point do we get nervous that our pipeline might be running dry? More is coming up as we continue on this Thursday. It's the Fontenelle Final Bell right here on the Rural Radio Network. Welcome back to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield as we continue our conversation with Sam Hudson. Again, Sam is with Corn Belt Marketing. So we left talking about what was happening basis-wise and wondering, a soft tone is what we heard described to these exports right now for the grains, unlike the livestock who've been on fire. Is there a concern from a grain perspective that this pipeline might start to dry up too soon? Uh, I, I don't know that we're... You know, in that situation right now, I think that was the fear back in April, May, and then when we did finally catch some rains through some of the hearts of the corn, the heart of the corn belt, I think that was, you know, the crisis or the worst case scenario averted. Now we're not out of the woods yet; we could still see a yield under 175 quite easily here on national average for corn, um, and just the same with beans. There's risk there too, but you know, we're not seeing the, 
you know, the widespread drought that I think a lot of people feared, you know, running all the way through Illinois and, and, and the entire state of Iowa. So I would say northern Iowa, Minnesota, the Dakotas uh, still have a lot to say about what this national average is going to look like. And so that's going to really drive this thing. If we can get through without much more incident, uh, like I said, uh, it gives people time to kind of wait and see what happens versus if, if we're going to continue to curtail what those yields show, we're going to have to ration some of that demand until we see what South America's crop looks like. And if they have another production problem, you know, don't, don't fall asleep on that. It's not too far away. Uh, when you look at some of the river values down there and what it's going to mean for their export season, uh, it's definitely something to think about if they don't fix or mend their issues they have down there. And if that were to happen, you know, you, you see the basically a repeat of this year where it puts a lot of pressure on the U.S. to raise it again if they fail. Definitely will make for some interesting marketings as we head into into next year. It, it will, and like you said, you know the reason I lean on some of these good basis levels, at least for parts of uh, parts of the, the corn belt here, are just you know what you've got, and that's a good value. And sometimes a good known value is worth it in itself uh, when we don't know what it's going to look like by the time you get there. So let's jump over to the livestock side. Cattle um, from the feeder cattle perspective, they have constantly had that dance going on between the corn and them. But they seem to be adjusting pretty well to the daily changes. They are, and I think a big part of that is just the, you know the optimism that we're seeing at the cash level. You know, we continue to see that market. Uh, it's not running away by any means, but a very firm tone on the cash end of things, um, and just seems like a you know there's a pretty good fervor there in terms of of you know helping things stay underpinned. Now, as we move forward here, uh, like I said, just like in the grains, we're going to figure out uh, over the next two or three weeks what is and what isn't possible. If it feels like we're going to stay dry, and you know these are the last rains that we're going to get anywhere across these production areas, then I would expect to see some pressure on the feeder cattle market just because feed costs are rising. Uh, and on the livestock, uh, or excuse me, the live cattle side of things, it seems like those are kind of caught in crossfire. We've got a, uh, you know, a packer that can afford to probably pay more, but we've got enough numbers. Uh, exports are good, and it just seems like a range-bound market uh, seems pretty fair for now. What are you hearing when it comes to the consumer demand for, for the proteins right now? It seems like it's been quiet um, with numbers this summer. Yeah, it's been kind of quiet. You know, there's a lot of uncertainty in, in terms of how quickly we were going to, you know, recover into this summer with COVID and uh, still a few hangover effects from some of these cities not fully opening up or, you know, maybe open up a little bit later than a lot of people desired. But it just feels like uh, despite that, we're going to see an active summer. I think people want to be outside. They want to hang out. Uh, we got another strong month here or so before school starts up again. But that's probably the thing to think about is just not necessarily if that demand is going to go away, but how is that demand going to shift? Because remember how much we took away from the institutional side uh, during these shutdowns, how it impacted, impacted these supply chains. And I think you're going to see you know, uh, some turmoil and, and a little bit of you know, uh, you know, trouble in the linkage there as we kind of get geared back up for that. So that's definitely something to keep an eye on. Saw some struggles in the nearbys on this hog market. Is this going to continue into a Friday? You know, I think at some point it tries to grab hold here. It feels to me like 103 in that August hog contract should be some pretty decent support. You got the lean hog index still up around 111. It has dropped, you know, back from the highs, what, 10, 12 bucks here. Um, but it just feels like, you know, there's not enough time to run it down too hard. I, I think what you got to look for is the, uh, you know, what does that October, you know, contract want to do and how, how far do people want to run that down with exports looking the way they are. Uh, still some chatter in there about, uh, you know, swine flu and this and that. But uh, for the most part, we have a pretty solid, stable market here for the short term. And the real curveball is going to come, you know, after we get past the first of the year and a lot of this stuff. Well, we are middle of July, downhill slide in, in, in the summer months. What are you looking for kind of as the key got to watch over the next couple of weeks for either grain or livestock? 
you know, I think it has to be weather on a lot of fronts. You know, on the livestock end of things, just the same. You know, you look at the drought that we've seen across the northern plains and up into the Canadian prairies. What does that mean from, you know, feed costs, hay, you know, pasture ground, uh, as we kind of reset everything going into next year and kind of reset and reshuffle the deck after after COVID. And presumably we've got the worst of that behind us. Uh, so I think that's going to probably be the biggest theme as we go into the month of August and September uh, because these areas that are really good and have big potential, you know, all they really got to do is get some decent weather here to coast home and fill out uh, while other areas are just still begging for a rain. And we'll see if we get a shift in this forecast into the weekend or not. Lots of things to look at. Best way for folks to get a hold of you, Sam. Uh, 800-655-3380 or cornbeltmarketing.com. And you can follow us, uh, follow me on Twitter, too, at, uh, at Samuel B. Hudson. All right. That is today's Fontenelle Final Battle. Just a reminder, commodity futures and options involve substantial risk of loss, and they're not suitable to all investors. The Fontenelle Final Battle being brought to you by Fontenelle Hybrids and all your local dealers right here on the Rural Radio Network.